Hi, you're listening to episode 42 of Daisy Geek Girls. I'm Swapna Krishna. And I'm Preeti Chibber, and we are recording on Friday, February 7th, 2020. 2020, not 2019, Oops. like it says on our <laughs> doc. My bad. <laughs> I would have just said 2019 because, like, without we don't really do a script for the show, but like, just like the the very first couple of lines, and then like the the, the end kind of bit we do is scripted, and I read like directly off the script. Like, I will say like, my name is Preeti Chipper. If that's what it says. On well, there. I think what was it? I read the URL is HTTPS. Yes. Yes. <laughs> colon backslash backslash. It's like thanks for that. Thank you. <laughs> anyway hi <laughs> yes we're both feeling better we were both sick i think the last episode yeah or very, you weren't sick yet but i was on the cusp of the but, and then you, you got the flu and then yeah. i had like a three or four week long like it's all bad yeah it's all bad it was all but bad but I we are feeling better feeling better which is good because we have much to talk about today we do. There's, I mean, yeah, we should, I guess we just get right into it. So um, one of the first things we want to talk about is this show Miracle Workers that is on yes. TBS and has two South Asian actors in lead roles, which we, we talked about the first season because it's um, Steve Buscemi, Daniel Radcliffe, Karan Sony, and Geraldine Vanaswathan. I think. Yes, Vishwanathan. Yeah, I think it's because it's a South Indian last name, um, I think. And so we talked about the first season which in which they're all angels and, and Buscemi plays God and it's this like whole thing. Yeah. And now the second season is the Dark Ages and they've been transplanted into kind of like this kooky Middle Ages sort of setting. Um, it looks really funny. Yeah, like all the promos and stuff look hilarious. And we have um episodes to watch which is exciting because it started about i think about a week ago yeah i just haven't gotten around to it yet but um i'm really excited to watch this series because daniel radcliffe is so good he's so good and then like having two south asian characters who aren't related to one another (laughs) is like unheard of And they're both. Re- I watched the first season and I really enjoyed it. And they're both very, very funny. Like Garen is really funny. You probably, you know, if you're listening, you might have seen him in like Deadpool. And you know, he's been in yeah. like the Pokemon movie. Like he's been in like a million things. So you definitely know his face. Um, and Geraldine is also like really, really good. Uh, she was in Blockers, uh, and then I think did the lead in um, indie flick that got a lot of press last year. Um, oh my God, by Minal Beg. And of course, now the name is escaping me. Hala. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's exciting to see the two of them actually like break out and be like part of this ensemble cast in a mm-hmm. major way. Yeah. Yeah. So more on that when we actually watch it, though. Yes, we will. We will. We swear. There's a lot of good TV right now. There is. Uh, but really quick, we got to talk about probably what is the most exciting thing I've seen in a Fast and the Furious trailer in a long time, and that's saying something. And that, yes. is that Justice for Han! Han lives! Han! So, if you have a, I don't, I don't know who you are if you have not watched a Fast and the Furious movie, but if you aren't aware, Han, which is, this is his real name in the movie, Han Solo. <laughs> um, Seoul spelled like Seoul, South Korea, hyphen O is his name in uh, the Fast and the Furious series. Uh, he was, 
he was first introduced in the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. Yes. And then where he died in that one, but then he kind of, like, the next two Fast and Furious movies were prequels to that. And then the whole plot of, that would make the sixth movie, I think, if I'm getting the numbers right, was, like, avenging his death. But then Jason Statham was the one who killed him, but then everyone got, like, all the Han fans, which Preeti and I very much consider ourselves Han fans, um, got pissed because, like, like, Jason Statham just, like, becomes part of the family. Yeah, he just, like, shows up. Series with The Rock, and it's like, wait, you killed Han! It kind of, like, taints the whole, like, I enjoyed Hobbs and Shaw. It was, like, a fun movie. But it was absolutely tainted by this idea of, like, Jason Statham murdered Han, who is one of the most beloved characters of the series. Um, And so it was frustrating to watch. So when, you know, um, Justin Lin, who is back for this new movie. He did, I think, the two Han movies and then, like, left for a while and then, like, came, now was back. And, like, it's really funny because if you read interviews with him, he's like, I had to bring Han back. Well, yeah, so I just found this quote where he goes... I was like, wait, what? Shaw, was Jason Statham's character, is at the barbecue in F8? Really, I was so confused. One of the big reasons to come back was I felt like we needed to correct something. Because you yeah. did. Yes. And these, these we've had so many, like, coming back from the deads that I'm not even sure they'll explain what happened. I don't care. Honestly. <laughs> Tom will just show up, and I am fine with that. I don't need an explanation of how he got out of, like, an exploding car. I don't need that. I just want Han back in my life. And it's really it's really nice because, like, I read an interview with Sung Kang, the actor, who was just, like, he's like, you know, I thought it was done, and it was really sad. And then, like, the fans started really, like, getting mad about Han, and he was like, but I didn't think that, like, anything could happen. He was like, but... But then it did. So, yeah. And how sad. Maybe we'll do yes. an episode where we watch Fast Five, because that is the best Fast and the Furious oh, yeah. movie. Yeah. Wait, which one is that one? That's the one where The Rock shows up for the first time, and they're in Brazil. Oh, okay. the Brazil one. Yeah, yeah, that is the best one. It's yeah. the best okay. one. Yeah, that maybe we'll do that. We'll see. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> um. Okay, so I'm going to talk about something that's sort of not pop culture related, but it's pissing me off. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I don't know if any of you listeners have curly hair. But if you do and you are, like, have all investigated how to care for your curly hair, as I have, um, you probably have heard of a brand called Diva Curl, which is basically, like, the holy grail or was supposed to be the holy grail of curly for curly hair because there just aren't a lot of products that are specially formulated for curly hair. A lot of just, like, companies that do regular hair care are just like, oh, we'll put out a curly hair line, but it's not really actually formulated for, like, what curly hair needs. But now it turns out that Diva Curl's stuff is, um, there's a class action lawsuit against them. And some of their, like, paid influencers have basically come out to, like, say, like, Diva Curl has ruined or chemically damaged my hair. My hair is falling out. I have scalp damage. I personally did have scalp damage from Diva Curl. Um, I used the, like, shampoo system for, like, three years. And my scalp was disgusting and dandruffy. And I attributed that to you know at the end of the day your scalp is still skin and you need to use real shampoo every once in a while um and supposedly that's part of the problem like I read this I've been like reading up on this for like three days I read this attorney quote that was like 
at the end of the day, like they're telling you to wash your hair with lotion, which is going to damage it. Like, that's what it is. There's no like actual like cleansers supposedly in their shampoo. And anyway, it's, it's really long and complicated. And that is all to say, if you use Diva Curl and it's working for you, that's great. Um, it doesn't work for everybody. It wasn't working for me. And I kept getting gaslit by everyone when I would be like, oh, no, that's not really working for me. And people would just tell me I was using it wrong. And it turns out I was not using it wrong. It does not work for me. And it may not work for you either. And if you have noticed your hair falling out or just like your curl pattern just being not great, um, you may want to read up on this and change your products. This is my PSA for curly Yeesh. people. It's really bad. It's so bad. It's not, uh, just want some nice things. That's I know, all. I know. It was like, this has been a stressful week, and then that was just like the, the cherry on top. It's like, oh lord, my hair might have chemical damage from, you know, the hair products I've been using for years. Oh. My... And my research has also showed me basically the conditioner is probably fine, um, but it's the shampoo that's an issue and the gel that the gel might be like kind of frying hair and the shampoo, but the conditioner seems to be fine. So I still have the conditioner. I'll probably keep using it, but I stopped using the shampoo and the gel. Good Lord. Yeah, it's a lot. Okay, but let's go to move on to happier things. That was my PSA because I'm so pissed off about this. (laughs) That's Um, why we have a platform. So good. Yes. (laughs) Um, our friend has a new book. Yes. Okay. So Eric Smith, who if you don't follow him on uh, Twitter, you should because he's, he's got... everybody does. I yeah, like that's so true. I he's so he's famous. So famous. Uh, but if you don't, Eric Smith rocks on Twitter. Highly recommend it. Uh, he had a new book come out on the twenty eighth on January twenty eighth called "Don't Read the Comments" and it's YA and it's so cute because Eric is the best basically. Yeah. So I read this, um, I read it last week and, um, I obviously he's my friend and I'm going to say good things about his book, but honestly, like if I don't like a book of friend writes, I just don't say anything. (laughs) (laughs) Like I, you don't want to like trash your friend's book, but I'm also not going to lie about (laughs) lie and be like, Oh, this book is great. You should pick it up because, um, I'm just, just no like I have integrity I'm not gonna do that but honestly Eric's book is so so good like I read it so it's about it's called don't read the comments it's about this gamer girl who is like this like like she like basically streams on the equivalent of like twitch she's a game streamer and she uh is super super famous but what no one knows is that she um her name is Divya. Um, she is Indian, and her um, she basically uses all her sponsorship deals and stuff to help her mom, her single mom, pay the bills. Like her mom is, um, her dad left the family, and her mom is struggling and trying to go back to school to become a librarian. And Divya wants to support her mom and her mom to like fulfill her dream. And it's super sweet. First of all, like that's just super sweet. And then like she gets targeted by this group it's kind of a, like a gamer gate type situation gets guard targeted by this hate group and like it threatens not only like her platform and her thing but like her life and her mom and her safety and it's really really sweet and really good and i found like a as a person who has undergone my share of harassment online i really saw a lot of my ex- like a lot of those experiences rang true and a lot of like it just it felt really like 
it like it like got me in my soul. I was like, oh, it was really mm. sweet. It was really good. I loved it. And 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 in the book, Divya's favorite podcast <laughs> is Fancy Geek Girls. <laughs> so we are canon in the universe of Don't Read the Comments. <laughs> Can't wait till there's a movie and they have to like say our name in the movie. Yep. Yep. Yes. <laughs> yes. But anyway, yeah. So anyway. Um, pick it up. It's really sweet and really good. And it's just like one of those books that like you just like want to wrap yourself in a warm hug. And that's what this book is. I loved it. Which is not surprising if you know Eric and know what kind of person he is. Eric is like a warm hug. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. It is. He's so supportive and so sweet and like just such a good person. And I, um, yeah. And you should buy his book, it. which you can buy anywhere books are sold. Don't read mm-hmm. the comment by Eric Smith. Yes. I thought you were going to say don't read the book. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, buy it. You know, I was like, wait, no, read the book. Read the book. But don't okay. read the comment. <laughs> yeah, don't read the comment. <laughs> um, so one, one last thing before we get into like the main parts of our episode is uh, we're very excited that next week – we're going to have a mini episode, which is just an interview with the actress Sarah Yu Blue, um, who you may remember from the far too short-lived uh, NBC comedy I Feel Bad. And she is going to be on talking to us about P.S. I Still Love You, which is the sequel to you, uh, to All the Boys I Loved Before, which was out on Netflix last year. And we're very and excited about Sarah it. Sarah Yu has, I feel like she's, even if you don't recognize the name, you'll recognize her face because yeah. she's been in like everything. She's in everything and she's so funny like she's just such a funny person i wanted to be in all the things yeah so um that's a mini episode that's actually i have to listen to that because i was not on that interview it was just preethi and sorry so like i'm waiting for that as a fan <laughs> um okay so we promised you all we do a little mini discussion of clone wars before the series premieres on the 21st 21st i'm like not ready i'm just i'm just not ready no, i'm not ready <laughs> Um, and in full, in interest of full disclosure, Preeti and I have screeners of the full two episodes. And we, we haven't first episodes, but we haven't watched them yet because neither one of us is ready. Yeah, I'm not ready. I'm not. But like my mentally, I'm still on like Picard land, mm-hmm. and I'm not ready to like move on to Clone Wars land, even though they're going to overlap. It's okay. My heart can take it, or maybe it can't. I, d- I don't know. We like my so my sister and I just watched through Rebels, which she hadn't seen for the first time. Uh, <sighs> I know. And we finished. I love it so much. That was it's, like not a like. It's I hate just it. so good. So. And so we finished it like two nights ago. Uh, and she was so upset, of course. Because it's, yeah. I mean, it's great. But that ending is rough stuff. And yeah. so now going back into Clone Wars land is going to be really interesting. Yeah. And getting new content. Because this is a kind of like where Clone Wars lives best, which is content in between stories we already know. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm really excited about this. But today we want to talk about some of our favorite classic Clone Wars arcs. Yeah. Um, and uh, by the way, I was like Googling, because you, you tweeted like Googling about Rebel sequels on a whim. Yeah. So I did it too. And there's all these rumors of like a Rebel sequel series, yes! but not from any reputable site. And I'm so <laughs> mad about it. Well, because, yeah, because there was a headline that made me laugh so hard because the whole headline was like, Dave Filoni still won't tell us where Ezra is. Yeah. Damn it, Dave Filoni. Just, Just tell, tell us. us. Tell us. Give us our Sabine and Ahsoka, like, buddy, buddy cop. Buddy cop. Show. <laughs> 
Um, okay, so uh, our favorite arc. So you go first. Since uh, this was a... Yeah, so like the first one that I thought of was the Mortis arc because I am a, uh, like I am, what Clone Wars did for me was make me a huge Anakin fan, like through <laughs> and through. Like to me, that is a successful um, series in giving us a fallible hero who, like, we know Anakin's story and how it ends, but I still care so deeply for the character because of Clone Wars. And so the Mortis arc, which is the one where he, Obi-Wan, and Ahsoka get kind of shipwrecked on this weird planet, and you see the physical embodiments of the Force and of the Mortis gods. Um, yeah. Like, I love that, uh, like, those series of episodes and forcing us to, wa- like, witness an Anakin who hadn't, gone through all the grooming and who hadn't been um, kind of completely taken advantage of by the Emperor or by Palpatine and who hadn't yet been failed by the Jedi Council and seeing him having to like contend with who he was going to become is so heartbreaking but such like a wonderful moment in like showing us character development you know he's not the person he is in um, Revenge of the Sith yet and so this is the worst possible thing that could happen. Yeah. And I also feel like Mortis, Mortis is a, like, it's kind of a litmus test for, if you haven't engaged a lot with the expanded universe, whether you love Mortis or you hate it, will kind of tell you what of the other Mm -hmm. stuff you'll love and what you won't, because it is very, very deep and heavy into force lore. Which we love. And like, which Preeti and I both love, and I know a lot of people don't. Like, it's just, and that's fine. Like, it's, you, people love what they love. But, like, if you watch, it's it's just three episodes, and they're 20 minutes each. Like, it's not a big commitment. It's, like, an hour of your time. But if you're thinking of engaging with the expanded universe of Star Wars, and you haven't done much of it, and you aren't sure, like, what shows to watch. For example, if you watch Mortis, and you hate it, you'll probably love the first two seasons of Rebels and hate the last <laughs> Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, it's just because, like, the show, that show starts out very, like, like, found family episode of the week, and then it kind of segs into a lot of Force lore, especially yeah. by the end, and Mortis becomes very important in the last couple of seasons of the show. And so, like, I feel like I recommend Mortis a lot to people because of that. It's a very self-contained three-episode arc. You can watch it and you have, as long as you kind of know, the, you understand the Anakin-Ahsoka relationship that, you know, you don't have to know a lot about any of the characters. Right. Like, to go in and just watch these three episodes. Um, but I, I I think they're fantastic. They're so good. It's just such good, interesting storytelling. Like, it you know, we were watching um, Rebels, and when you watch Clone, Clone Wars, you kind of get this feel like Dave Filoni has such a wonderful understanding of the Star Wars ethos. Like He does, yeah. Right? And he, he does, and you can tell he's only telling us about 3% of what he knows. Right, yes, because that he constantly leaves you wanting more, which is great. You know, it's frustrating as all hell, but it's great. But it's so not much. that sense from, like, Lost that you got where you're like, these showrunners have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I loved Lost. I loved, But it was, it was very much... Lost. But, like, towards the end, it was like, they have no, no idea. No, it was, like, like very they don't have flying it. by the seat of their pants. <laughs> right, and trying to figure out their own mystery, whereas Dave Filoni, it's clear, knows all the pieces and is just kind of giving you little bits of it. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really 
quality moment of someone who has a clear and deep understanding of the property and of its characters and loves it like has a clear like love for it that comes out on screen but a love that that isn't mired in nostalgia but is in mired in, but it is mired in like potential yeah yeah um and dave did a lot of like like a lot of people their entry into the expanded universe was the mandalorian mm-hmm and so if you've watched The Mandalorian and aren't sure what... Like, Dave Filoni was an executive producer on The Mandalorian and had a lot of say in that. So there's a lot of similar threads. Mm-hmm. I think the character development, the... Like, there's a lot of things with The Mandalorian. I would say if you really love The Mandalorian, Rebels is probably going to be more your jam than Clone Wars. Because Clone Wars is filling in the gaps in yeah. a way that Rebels is not. Yeah, Rebels um, is a new story. Yeah, Clone Wars is definitely just, like, kind of filling in gaps. But it's also, I think, if you're like, why are people, like, so all about the prequels these days? It's because of Clone Wars. Yes, 100%. The prequels Um, makes, the the Clone Wars makes the prequels a better story. Yeah, a more complete story and um, more of a tragedy. I think one of the big things. One of the big things missing, I think, from just the movies is any sense of emotion. Yeah. And Clone Wars really gives that to you between, like, the love between Padme and Anakin. It's just the horror of Anakin's fall. Like, and even, like, it even makes the clones very human. Yeah. Um, you know. Um, yeah, there's, it's it's just, it's it's a really good show, guys. Just, it's a really right, good show. Right. What was okay, so, okay. you thought of first? Okay, what? so my, my, one of my picks was the Ventress's arc. Okay, so Ventress is a character who's introduced in the, I believe she's introduced in like the TV movie. Yeah. That um, started Clone Wars. So if you're going to watch Clone Wars, there's like a, I don't know, it, was, it wasn't it was a TV movie. It was released in theaters, actually. Um, it's like a hour and a half long movie that you want to start with before you start the series and she is uh, Dooku's apprentice what you find out about her though over the course of the series is that she comes from a planet called Dathomir which if you watched if you played um, Fallen Order uh, the Je- Star Wars game you will be familiar with um, she comes from a tribe called the Night Sisters um, and uh, Darth Maul also comes from that same planet. So they're from the same planet. Um, and her arc is very, without giving too much away, if you haven't seen it, basically she becomes very, she she's unshockingly, I don't think this is even a spoiler, knowing that it's the dark side, but she's betrayed by her master. Yep. And then um, she goes on this entirely new adventure for herself. Like for the first time, she's living for herself not for you know like just there's there's a lot to her story and then um once you finish the series like there's some really cool team-ups with her and obi-wan and her and ahsoka and once you finish the series uh there's a book called dark disciple by christy golden and it finishes off her story and it's based on unwritten and unfilmed Clone Wars, I guess maybe they were written, but unfilmed Clone Wars episodes, or not filmed, but I guess like CGI. Yeah, yeah. Unmade. Unmade Clone Wars (laughs) uh, TV shows, episodes. Um, It's an arc basically where she and she and this Jedi fall in love. And it's like basically a little bit of a Star Wars romance novel. 
and it's really good. It gives just really good character development for her. I really like Ventress. I think she's one of the characters that she's one of the best characters to come out of the Clone Wars. Um, and I just I wish more people talked about her because I think she gets used by so many people and then finally kind of is like, no, I'm going to do what I, I'm going to make, I'm going to make my own choices. Yeah. She's a really, really wonderful character. Um, And I think the way the show kind of treats her is with respect, which is nice. Um, One thing that's really exciting is, so the Clone Wars anthology that, I'm in that is coming out in August has an original has a story that is about Ventress that is written by Zoraida Cordova and so it's going to be a new story that is based on one of the episodes of course and it's super exciting like I cannot wait for it to come out Preeti's too famous for this podcast (laughs) I wish I could say what I'm writing and I'm so frustrated that I'm not allowed to (laughs) like ugh I want to talk about it. Um, But so, you know, we were talking about these arcs and one of the ones that we both really love and for for is Ahsoka's final Clone Wars arc, which is. And I think if you're going to watch season seven, you have to know what happens. Yes, you have to. You have like I know people who are like I've seen a few people who are like, oh, I didn't finish Clone Wars, but I'm going to like watch season seven. I'm like, so you have to. (laughs) There's two arcs you have to watch. And those are going to be the two arcs we're telling you about um, next. So the first arc is Ahsoka's final arc, basically. Um, and it's heartbreaking. It is. Like, it's, I, I don't know what other word to use to describe it. It's absolutely where you see the complete fallacy and, and, the, and how the Jedi are broken as a system and how it influences all of our favorite characters from Anakin to Obi-Wan to Ahsoka. And, you know, there's, it, it's an interesting position because I'm not sure that they were prepared for how much people would love Ahsoka Tano as a character. I don't think they were. And so she is this incredible character that has to f- exist in a space where she can't, you know, they can't retroactively like put her in the original movies, but she was deeply important to Anakin and so this art kind of gives us that closure and it gives us that maybe the reasoning that feeds into then her arcs in Rebels but like this Clone Wars arc is such a wonderful again like heartbreaking look at another way Anakin becomes Vader and how the Jedi will fail even their most ardent supporters yeah they'll fail their own Mm mm-hmm like, they fail their own, yep. and they fail, like, it's just, it's so, it's it's very well done, and it's so, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to give away what happens. You probably, honestly, like, if you're, if you, if you're fluent with kind of Star Wars culture on the internet, you probably, you may know, but if you don't, I don't want to ruin it for you, but it's a lot. Um, and... I will also say with Ahsoka, um, I know a lot of people who watched the first season of Clone Wars and then stopped because the first season uh, is probably the weakest season in yes. my opinion. Um, the first and second season are much more episode by the of the week, and then three, four, and five really. Um, it's three, four, it's five, three, four. Uh, however many seasons, the rest of them are much more like story oriented and character oriented. Uh, but she starts out 
as Anakin's Padawan, and she is kind of annoying. Super she's annoying. A, she's a kid. Because <laughs> she's a kid, and the whole part of her whole thing is kind of growing into this Jedi and the kind of Jedi Anakin. I think Anakin's, in, in a lot of ways, his life is a failure, and he's a tragedy for what he stood for and what he believed in and what he wanted. And I think she is like the shining beacon that he did something good. Yes, agreed. I think that was well put. Because she's she's such a she's just a good person and a good like I, I, I think that like and for I would guess, like obviously I don't I don't know what's going through Vader's head, but like she is if I like it would be like she would be like the in some ways the thing I would want to quash because she's the last like She's the last, like, thing of Anakin. I'm like, I can't think of the word, but she's the last, like, sign. The of remnants An- of what Anakin was. Yeah. yeah. Anakin was. And until, while well, she's still alive, he can't Ugh. be Vader completely. Like, it's so heartbreaking. <laughs> Thank oh, God. God. It's so oh, sad. Okay. It's so sad. This series is so sad. Okay. So, um, and then finally, um, it's not my necessarily my favorite arc. It's not my least favorite arc or anything, but I think everyone needs to probably watch Mandalore. Yeah, all the Mandalore stuff. Like, just in Mandalore stuff, I think it's in the last two, it's over the last couple of seasons, Mm -hmm. uh, I believe, if I remember correctly. But, uh, yeah, honestly, you could just go by, like, episode description. Like, if it says Mandalore or, like, Satine, watch Watch it, it because... Um, I know we, w- one of the arcs we know about is going to be the conclusion of that storyline. <gasps> I'm still not ready. <laughs> I'm not ready. Because I have a, I think, I, I said this on the last episode, but I think we're going to see Order 66 from no, other points of view. Not ready. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I'm not ready. Uh, all right. But we will, we will certainly, when... Uh, we'll have an episode that is all about the f- the, the first, first few episodes, episodes. Um, and then um, we'll probably do it like we're doing for Picard, right? Just yeah. kind of every few episodes checking in and talking about it. Yeah, we'll probably go by arcs. Yeah, would be my guess. Um, but yeah, so so more Clone Wars to come. Uh, and now, now let's now let's, we're going to talk about Picard. Let's get to Star Trek. Hey, okay. <laughs> Um, we've now watched episodes two and three, so, um, if you, if, basically, if you haven't watched the first three episodes yet, stop now, um, especially because the first three episodes really are the opening act of this show, um, in a way that I think, like, when I saw them, I saw the first three episodes as one unbroken movie in a theater, and I think that really colored my impression of the series because, they don't really function as standalone episodes. I mean, they are, but it is very much one complete story to open the show. Yeah, I would agree. I found, I kind of wish I'd been able to watch all three together because I found watching episodes two and three back to back a much more satisfying experience yeah. than just watching the first episode. Yeah. Um, I. Okay, so let's get into it you um you have some feelings <laughs> i do about a specific like hot emo romulan <laughs> oh my gosh so Derek, who is the internet the internet was kind of like exploding about him today yeah so here's the thing is i i don't 
What's interesting is coming to this, like coming to this as someone who is not a huge Star Trek person, is that there's stuff that I I'm not sure that I am getting. Like I'm sure there are layers that I am missing, um, but I'm still really enjoying the show. But that said, I do need you to explain Borg stuff because, like, okay, yes, I'm, this is this is like I am here for this. Yeah, like I get like my my understanding of kind of the the. Like, the Romulans, I'm like, I think Eric Bana played a Romulan in one of the Star Trek movies, yeah. if I'm remembering correctly. Um, which I saw, but I don't really totally remember that much about it. And then the Borg stuff, like, I know they exist, but I don't, like, I don't okay. understand it. So, um, like, what is the thing that they're, this cube thing that they're on was okay. connected to, like, a hive mind? So the, the Borg is a collective. So there's no... The Borg is basically a machine race that um, there's they're a hive mind. There's a single mind, single right. consciousness, no individuality. The drones are drone, like they're called drones because it's like it's like a beehive, like the drones okay. and then the queen. Yeah, yeah. So and it's all one. There's like when you're assimilated by the Borg, your your individuality, your individuality, your personality, your consciousness, it still exists, but it's suppressed. But it can only which is how. So- Okay, wait, so the Borg, but the Borg furthers the drones by kind of parasitically, like, pulling and assimilating other people in, or or there are drones that exist that are, that have just always been Borg? Yeah, so it's, some of this is, it's unclear, the origins of the Borg are mysterious and weird, but basically the Borg expand by, through assimilation. Okay. So okay. there are Borg, like, maturation chambers. Like, if an infant is assimilated, the infant... Yeah, I know. She made a face, and yes. Jesus. Like, there are maturation <laughs> chambers that will, like, accelerate the... But generally speaking... And so they seek out... And so one of the interesting things I found um, about episode three is the revelation that there were only... The Romulans aboard that cube were the only Romulans ever assimilated. Which is super interesting because the Borg expand by assimilation and they go after cultures that they think can expand, add to their, like, add to them through technology, through, you know, through, you know, knowledge, like, whatever. They assimilate and they take that. So they've always shown a big interest in Earth or cultures that are a threat to them given Earth. Um and the Romulans, they never saw them as a threat. They never saw them as an interest because clearly they didn't go looking for them. So I thought that was very interesting. Um, okay, sorry. I have, I have one more question. Yeah. Um, so how does this – so on Picard, there's kind of a few different storylines happening. But the two big ones, the two, like, big mystery ones are one is the, like, kind of secret Romulan um, yeah. infiltrated task group. Force, whatever I can't remember what they're called. Talshiar, yes, Zodvat, yes. Um, them who are going after the synths, right? They're going after the synthetics. That is new, by the way. We don't like. It's not like there's not lore going back or like knowledge going back as to why, why the Rami would do that. Why they would do that. So that is. So excited okay. about Star so Trek that I like knocked <laughs> the pop filter off my mic. Um, so yeah, that's new. So we that's don't know. that's the so, one. Oh, trying to be puzzled by that. But that's that's one, and then the other is the Romulans who are 
kind of in charge of this now disconnected Borg cube, but the Borgs are machinery. So they're also kind of like, there is, is there a relationship between a cy, like a cyborg Borg and a, mm-hmm. and a, what we're seeing is the secret, like human synth. That's okay. So there's, yeah, there, there's, that's a la- layered question. And so I think the question right now about the Borg cube is uh, so from what I have gathered from um, just uh, context clues and what we know, um, the Romulans found how, how they found it. I don't know, but they found this Borg cube um, floating in space, disconnected from the hive. Mm-hmm. And they decided to go in presumably because Romulans don't have a home world and they need resources. They're extracting the technology and selling it off. Okay. That's the, and so, cause like she's talks about in episode two, Soji talks about extracting the technology for profit. Okay. So that is that, I think that's the, that's the top layer. Like that's what they're supposed to be doing. The question is because with the Romulans, the question is what they're, what they say they're doing and what they're actually doing. What they're doing. really like, doing. Yeah. So clearly I think the question here is, and it, it comes out in episode three that Ramda and the other Romulans were on the last vessel assimilated by that cube. Right. So something to do with Romulan, and those were the only Romulans, as far as they know, that have ever been assimilated by the Borg. Which begs the question, what did the Romulans do to the cube to break it before they were assimilated to break it? And I think that's kind of the question that they're trying to figure out. But at the same time, there's all this other stuff happening. There's Wait, a lot of other stuff. So yeah. one of the things that, and I think the reason, so the former assimilated Borg, who is now the director of the Romulan project, the human with the yeah, brown yeah, hair. Yeah, yeah. Borg. So that's, his name is Hugh. So he is from the next generation, um, but I think they didn't make a big deal about his introduction because they didn't want to confuse people who didn't know who he was. Yeah, I didn't, because he's, I didn't realize he, that. Yeah, he's introduced in a very quiet way but the episode i borg which is when um they meet a like the enterprise finds a borg that um has been like abandoned by the collective and like saves his life and teaches him about humanity and individuality and he becomes Jordy's best friend in the span of a 45 minute episode it's actually (laughs) a very very good episode but this is the same borg okay so it's the same borg hugh um Jordy names him Hugh and so it's the same guy same Borg same actor and they don't make a big deal out of it but the question is like like my question is like is he a Borg for like is he is he like I mean it makes sense is he like a freelance Borg consultant like is he like like is he like for hire like (laughs) he's just gonna invoice them every other week that's what it is like because he's the director of this project because he knows more about Borg than anyone else because he used to be one um, and that is my thing. So he clearly has disdain for the Romulans. Like he doesn't really love. So there's a, basically there is a lot going on on that yeah. board cube and there's a lot we don't know. And I think that's deliberate. Like no, I there's think a, there's a lot happening between like every single kind of like race, I guess has yeah. multiple layers to it where yeah. you have, you know, like, the humans and you have uh picard because we haven't we haven't even talked about 
Jean-Luc himself, which is that, you know, this girl died in front of him. He knows there's something going on. He goes to Starfleet. They freak the fuck out, which is not a very, like, my sister was laughing because she's like, everyone just spent the whole time yelling at him. Like, this, like, (laughs) sweet old man. Everyone is so mad at him. Yeah. Um, so you have that. You've got the the layer of tension between Picard and Starfleet. Then you have this idea of like the Romulans have infiltrated Starfleet. Yeah. I wasn't sure if Commander Commander O is a Vulcan. She's a Vulcan, but she Commander O is a Vulcan. But she, my theory is, is she that working, she's actually a Romulan. But is she working? So she is working with the Romulans. She's working with the Romulans against Starfleet. So when, you know, when Raffi, who's played by Michelle Hurd, says, I have evidence of a high-ranking Starfleet officer who allowed the attack on Mars to happen. Yeah. Um, I think she had something to do with it. So the deal with Romulans and Vulcans is she 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 presents herself as a Vulcan, um, Commodore O, but Romulans and Vulcans have the same physiology. Yeah. They're the same race. They just, it's different philosophies, different cultures. There was just a schism and, you know, that was it's so in a scan or something like if she's she would if she's like okay i'm vulcan they're like all right like you have the same physiology so we can't we can't um tell the difference basically i I, and so my view is she's actually a romulan who's been undercover for a very long time so that's like terrifying Yeah, and the Romulans do this. Like, they are very, 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 like, they have spies everywhere. They know, like, they're, it's just, that's that, that's how their culture is. The Tal Shiar were, like, the most feared, you know, one of the most feared groups in, you know, the well, galaxy. Like, it was just, it was a lot. So that's happening. And then you have that woman, the British woman, who I don't know the commander O is like number two. The oh, the, the 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 lieutenant. Some I don't remember the Romulan. The Romulan and her brother is hot emo Romulan mm-hmm. on the Borg cube who is romancing yep. Soji, Soji, who is the synth who doesn't know she's a synth. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, you have Picard who is looking for Soji and knows that there's something going on. Yeah, he knows there's something going on, and he thinks the key to it is Bruce Maddox. Right, because uh, of the so, the data's synth. No, data's yeah. nu- nu- neutrons. The the um yeah the the uh, the neutronic cloning. Yes, I think that's right. Though anyway, cloning is neural net. But um, so he thinks that. The key to all this is Bruce Maddox, which is who now they're all going to find. So there is, there are so many. And I think the interesting thing is every relationship between every character is complicated. Yes. Like, like if you look at that board cube, for example, you don't understand. I don't understand the motives of anyone on that cube. No. Except Soji, who doesn't understand what she truly is. But so, even, like, there's, like... Even like Soji, I, I don't really understand what her motivations are i found to be very confusing um i think think it's compassion i think but again there might be more going on there like why was she okay so clearly dodge was placed at the daystrom institute 
Daystrom Institute to study AI. Soji was probably placed aboard that Borg cube. Right. Why? But why? And what? So what is like? And going back to your earlier point, like, is there some sort of connection between the Borg and? I think there must be some kind a- of connection. Her AI. Right? Like, but there's some know. connection I... between the Borg, her AI, and the Romulans, which I don't is not clear yet. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to when that does come clear. I'm also looking forward on a less like plot heavy moment of for Narek to like fall in love with her and denounce his sister and the like. I'm really <laughs> looking forward to seeing what he does because I agree with you. I think he she is gonna like turn him against the Romulans. Yeah. But I wonder if he's going to like play double agent for a while and like help her, because she's gotta figure out what she is before she can convince him to help. Or is he going to tell her, fall in love with her and then tell her what she is? I think, I um, uh, I hope it's not that, but I think it might be that. Yeah. Um, because like, I have a feeling, like, I don't think her and Picard are going to meet until late in the season. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Because I do think, they first they're going to this free cloud place. Oh, also, yeah. we've not talked about Santiago Cabrera and how yeah. there are two of them. And one of them yes. is Irish, I think. Yeah. Doesn't matter. I'm excited about it. But that was that was a wonderful moment. So I'm excited to see more of this new crew of Picards. <laughs> but he clearly has this other avenue he has to go to first before yeah. that before he can... So I think we're going to have these kind of two simultaneous storylines going on for a couple episodes oh, at least. How many yeah, episodes is th- the first season? Ten. Ten, okay. Ten. So we're three in. And I think um, I'm hoping that – so one thing I do know, um, Jerry Ryan is in this. She plays Seven of Nine, um, who is a Star Trek Voyager character. And she said in an interview that her first episode was directed by Jonathan Frakes. Oh, so the first, the next two episodes, I believe, episodes four and five are directed by Jonathan Frakes. So I think we're going to see her soon. Um, and I know she and Picard meet. So now the question, now my question is knowing that I think she's brought into the show because Picard either goes looking for her or they, they somehow, in, like, she is former Borg. So what is it that puts him on the trail of the Borg? Does that make sense? It's yes. like going back to what we were saying, what's the relationship between the Borg and the AI? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. What's, what's the relationship there between... Um, and, and yeah, I, I, I don't... I don't know. And I don't know. I'm. It's, there's a lot we still don't know, but I think it's in a good way and not in a... This show is too confusing. Because... I think what I like about it is if you don't want to think about it, you don't have to. Yeah, that's true. It is written in a way that, like, you can kind of, like, just just, just watch the show and you're fine. Yeah. Because there's enough happening on the surface to keep your interest and you don't really have to dig any deeper. I just yeah. want to. <laughs> yeah, no. And, like, I love seeing – and one, one thing I am absolutely – adore about this show is it's written in such a smart way like the introduction of Hugh for example I've seen a lot of um old next gen fans a little like myth that his introduction wasn't bigger or it wasn't a bigger deal or then because it you know he looks so different than we the last time we saw him so it takes a while to figure out who he is and I'm like but I love Hugh he's one of my favorite characters from the next gen but he was in what two episodes of the next generation because he comes back in descent part two um 
which is actually a very interesting thing that I don't know if it'll become relevant later, but Data's evil twin brother lore um, <laughs> actually like finds a um, disillusioned faction of the Borg and leads them and does very very evil twin things to them, and Hugh is part of that, and so they like reunite reunites with Hugh and saves him and the Borg from the um, from like Lore's evil rule. But it's also like there's some really like good scene. The episode uh, Descent is that Descent's part one and two is the episode. They're fine, not great, but um, it was Hugh has a really good scene where he's just like you taught me about individuality and then abandoned me. What was I supposed to do? Like, yeah. and it was, it's a very good, like, it's a very good, like, oh, like, you have more responsibility here than, like, you know, what you are, than it seems. But uh, he's only in two episodes, so, like, if you're not a diehard Next Gen fan and then you have this huge introduction for this character, everyone's going to be like, what am I missing? Yeah, no, I would have been like, why are they spending so much time on this guy? Exactly. So, like, with Jerry Ryan, I think she's going to have a bigger introduction but she she was like basically functionally the co-anchor of a star trek series for like four she was on yeah the like first, i didn't watch voyager but i know who she is yeah everyone knows who seven of nine is like right. even if you're super familiar you know seven of nine you know jerry ryan yeah. so it's kind of like it's different and i think they they're doing a really good job balancing those things yeah i agree it was really just the like and even even with you know me questioning like this borg stuff and wanting to talk to you about it wasn't because I was not like I really enjoyed yeah these episodes I had a good time watching I'm enjoying the characters and there are enough new characters that it's fine if I don't know who someone is um or if I don't know their history it was more that I was like I just don't understand the board yeah and I think I don't I don't think we're supposed to I think I think right with the, with the I mean, the collective stuff is, like, one thing. But with what, what is going on on that cube, I don't think we're supposed to understand. Yeah. On the surface, they're de-assimilating these drones, seem to be selling off the technology for profit, and, like, trying to rehabilitate the drones. That's the top level. Underneath that is this is the dr- ship that assimilated the only Romulans ever known to have right. been assimilated. And all they have all reacted very poorly to being unassimilated. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I don't, the dissolute, the, I don't remember what the, the disillusion maybe, I can't remember what the name for them is. So that's one level deeper. And then a level deeper than that is this Borg was, this cube was disconnected from the collective after assimilating this Romulan ship. And then there's a couple of levels under that, that I don't even, we don't even know enough to like, Can, like to the, make yeah. theory yet. Yeah. Yeah. So like it's, and, and I think it's, that's very appropriate given who the what we know of, of who the Romulans are, and it's very appropriate for like their culture and the how they're like they're so secretive, which is a point that this series makes over and over again. But like they are very secretive, and so like that kind of like weird layered it's mystery is very appropriate. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes and and what <laughs> what happens next. And like calling Soji the Destroyer, like what does yeah. that mean? Like, I... Well, between that and, like, the... And, like, how did Ramtha recognize her? Like, what what in her Borg... What in her Borg consciousness or, you know, the Borg knowledge she still retains made her recognize Soji? Yeah, I don't know. And, and so, there's... So there's something there. There's something there and there's, there's something in... Um, 
the way that they showed us what happened with the synths mm -hmm. and how they uh, turned on on the humans and in the way that the humans talked about the synths, right? Mm -hmm. Like there was there were there were, there's a lot happening in and I'm, the I interactions. I, I'm, I'm with Jean-Luc. I believe Rafi when she says the tall Shi'ar orchestrated the attack on Mars. Mm -hmm. But I am with Jean-Luc when it's like, why would they destroy a fleet intended to save their own people? I don't understand the motives there. And I, I don't think we're supposed to yet. But... No, I don't think so either. Oh, more to come, though. Yes. Anyway, it's a really good show. I don't know why you would still be listening if you're not watching it. <laughs> because we just spoil, like, everything. But honestly, like, I am... I'm not a Star Trek apologist, but I'm a person who loves the things that things I love, and I love being enthusiastic about the things I love. So I'm not going to focus on the negatives. But honestly, there are not a lot of negatives in this show. I think it's fantastic. It's fun. It's a really, really fun show. Yeah. Um, yeah. but more. We'll come back to that in a couple of weeks, probably. After yeah, this, we'll probably the do it. Episode maybe. Um, yeah, I think after, probably we'll do it along with our discussion of the first uh, Clone Wars episode. Yeah. So, a couple of weeks. Uh, so, what we love right now. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh, what do you love, Ruthie? <laughs> I'm, looking at this, I'm looking at this document, I'm like, really? So. <laughs> I'm judging. But... I'm so busy right now, I'm working on so many different projects that, like, most of what I'm engaging in is things that I've already seen or already read. Um, and so <laughs> I just rewatched all of The Office. Uh, and now I'm rewatching Boy Meets World. It's so funny and so good and absolutely holds up. Like, I rewatched it probably like seven or eight years ago. And this is probably like, there are probably episodes I missed because I was watching it on like YouTube. Uh, but now it's on Disney Plus, and so I can actually oh, watch. It? Yeah, because it's ABC. Oh, I didn't realize. Oh, now I'm like, oh, maybe I'm going Yeah, it's so funny. It's like genuinely like such a lovely little heartfelt show. Um, and it, it's, you know, put me in mind, you know, one other thing. I forgot to write it down, but it, the I wanted to talk about the Good Place finale. I haven't watched it yet. Oh, so. okay. So I won't say too I much about it. can't watch it Yeah. You can't say it. We can talk about it. I, we need, I haven't watched any of the fourth season. I was just waiting for it to be oh. done. So I could watch it once. Okay, so I'm not going to say anything, really, other than... <laughs> I can, like, take off my headphones. No, 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 no. Okay. It's, I, I won't say anything other, other than the reason I bring it up uh, in relation to Boy Meets World is that there are these shows that are just filled with kind of not just intelligent writing, but also, like, sensitive and smart writing that really kind of cares about the character and I, mm -hmm. I I think that we're getting more of that again like there was a while where it was all so focused on the quips or the one-liners or like the who could be more clever and we're coming mm -hmm. back now you know you we got it with like Parks and Recreation but like I feel like we're really coming back to that moment where it is you don't just because you have a heart doesn't mean you can't be funny yeah yeah Mm -hmm. uh, and so I'm I'm happy that we're coming back to that space. Earnestness and, doesn't earnest. have to be quality. It doesn't have to be a quality in and of itself. Earnestness right. can exist with other things. Exactly. And so I think Boy Meets World actually has a lot of that. 
Oh yeah, that's a very earnest show. But uh, yeah, but you're right. Also funny. But also very very funny. So yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm doing right now. And one thing I really <laughs> liked about that show is the parents. Oh my god, I love. I the remember parents. I like though I don't remember a lot of it, but I remember they were really funny. They're really funny, and Mr. Feeney is the best. Yeah, <laughs> like he's the best. Um, okay, so mine is I'm playing a new video game called Her. I finally finished both Jedi Fallen Order, Star Wars Fallen Jedi Fallen Order, and Outer Worlds, and they were both excellent. So now I started Horizon Zero Dawn, oh, which I is. I played this. Yeah, it's a. Did you say you played it? I played it. I played it at my brother's. Oh, yeah. It was really good. It's... I really. I'm, I'm enjoying it a lot um, so far. The story is very interesting. I'm not really sure what's going on, but it's certainly interesting. The gameplay is really nice, and there's a story mode, which is very, very nice. And I'm really enjoying it. Um, it's really long. I mean, that's like, how I feel about The Witcher right now. It's like, I'm still playing The Witcher. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. this game just goes on forever. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of feeling like, wow. Like this, I feel like I've been playing for like days and days and like I still don't know much about like the central mystery I don't know much about the central story and maybe it's one of those things where I know more than I think I know because that's the way it's structured but yeah I don't know we'll see you'll see we'll yes. see this all these things we'll see more um yeah all right well I I think that's that's kind of it for for this episode we we did a pretty good job just under an hour yeah I'm pretty impressed with us uh, so we are part of the Hard Knock Life Podcast Network. You can find all the podcasts in the Hard Knock Media family at hardknockmedia.com. Today we want to shout out DC TV Classics. You can find their latest episode finale that dropped just a few days ago. Um, we want to say thank you to our Patreon subscribers. We have a ton of cool new swag stickers and uh, pins that haven't arrived yet. But the stickers have and they look really cool. Um, so if you're interested... Um, you can um, subscribe to our Patreon and get stickers and swag and all cool, um, all kinds of cool other stuff. So um, that's patreon.com slash theyseekgirls. And thank you to Meredith Smith at the $12 level and Charmin, Jordan, Summerine, Brandy, Gayathri, Jerome, Claire, Brian, Sil- Sylvia, Robert, and Chris at the $5 level. Um, also, we have a $2 level, which if you sign up, with, you get a holiday card. Which Yay! we're excited about because the last yes. one we did was pretty fun. Yes, um, we didn't do one last year, but we will definitely be doing one this year. So you can find us on Twitter at Daisy Geek Girls. I am at Remit Skizzers. And I'm at S. Krishna. And uh, until next time, we'll, we'll see, see you, you in hell. hell.